0: You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a practice management and EHR software that helps behavioral health professionals manage their practice with confidence and efficiency. I've been using Therapy Notes in my own group practice for about five or six years now, and they're hands down amazing. They've got a scheduling and to-do list that is so easy to look at, a notes template that is amazing and exactly what you need, billing that has accurate reports that you can use, credit card processing system, a client portal that's constantly being updated, security and tech support that is amazing. You can call and actually talk to someone right away. If you're looking for an EHR that can give you everything you need to run your group practice smoothly, try Therapy Notes out by going to www.therapynotes.com forward slash the group practice exchange, and you'll get two free months to try them out. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting. They're an accounting firm that works specifically with mental health practices, both solo and group, and they do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting, to bookkeeping and payroll, to building your dashboard. And on top of that, they can help you set up your Profit First systems. So if you're thinking of using Profit First or currently use them, go to Green Oak Accounting and check them out. You can check them out at www.greenoakaccounting.com. Mention the group practice exchange and get $100 off your first month. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I've got a coaching episode today. And with me, I have Kendra Penske. We're going to be talking about working through imposter syndrome as a group practice owner, which is always a very exciting topic. Hey, Kendra, how are
1: you? Good. How are you doing?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad, given our world circumstances at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so as you know, you can just jump right in. Let's Let's talk about where you're at with your group practice why this topic is important to you right now and we can um, jump in from there.
1: Okay, sure. So I um, started my group practice a couple years ago, but didn't really define it as a group practice till this last year and have since uh, brought on five clinicians. I have my fifth one starting today actually. And It's been a long process switching them over from IC to W-2. So that's sort of in the works right now as well. Um, But kind of what's come up during this process and as I'm moving to the model of having them as W-2 employees is just kind of figuring out how to navigate that leadership role and owning it in a way. Um, I think sometimes stepping into this is kind of like you know you're you're starting something you don't really know what you're doing and then you're trying to manage every aspect of your business and there's no way you can be an expert on every part of your business and then having to convey that with confidence to your staff is a bit challenging uh, at this point for me.
0: Yeah, I totally know that feeling and I think for me it took a while and this is why someone posted recently in the Facebook group what some you know one thing you wish you could have told yourself when you first started your group practice or like what's the one thing you wish you would have known when you started your group practice and and for me it was you know really starting on focusing on the leadership skill building um because it tends to be the the an afterthought you know we focus on the logistical piece of you know systems and and finding people to hire and and getting clients in the door and all that stuff we were focusing on the the literal things of starting a group practice, but, um, not some of the things like leadership growth. Um, and I will say that that was something that took a while to grow because I had to put intentional focus on that. Um, and as, as most people who listen or, or, you know, follow me in any sort of way know now that a big part of my weekly focus is on my own leadership growth. Um, whether it's through, reading books, which I do a couple a month that are leadership focused, or it's doing my own coaching around leadership. I think it's such an important piece. Um, And you actually meant you said something in the beginning of this, uh, when you started your sentence here, which was not knowing everything. Um, And I think if, if you could focus on that piece over everything else, at least when it comes to the imposter syndrome piece, um, I found that when I was able to shift from feeling like I needed to know everything to actually being okay with not knowing everything, my confidence in the unknown parts, when people had questions on things I didn't know, actually skyrocketed and made a huge difference in mm-hmm. my whole imposter syndrome, you know, struggle, which mm-hmm. isn't to say that I don't ever go through it now because I still do, but it's definitely one piece that is was for me a, a very tangible thing to, to fix was, um, my, the thinking that I, because I own the group practice, I need to be above, which means I need to know everything. Um, and that anyone below needs to, you know, they, they need to not know more than I do when it comes to business and all that stuff. And it wasn't until I like was very intentional and thought I'm going to, when the next time someone asks me a question that I don't know, I'm not going to try to like, Make an a statement that seems like is the right answer, but then I'll go do the research. And if it's wrong, I'll say actually, let's do this instead. Which was tended to be my mo. I would I always had an answer for everything, whether that was backed in a ton of research or backed with my long experience of owning a group practice. Was not the case, but if mm-hmm. someone had a question, I, I I was I'm a person that was always quick on my toes to be able to come up with like, let's do this thing without having, you know, thoroughly thought through it and gone through, you know, the pros and cons and what other options there are. Um, and and it wasn't until, and I realized that that part of me, that ability that I had came in because of my fear of being seen as someone who doesn't know anything. Um, and so it wasn't until I forced myself at one meeting to be like, I don't know, I have no idea. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up. Do you have any ideas before I start looking things up? And it was interesting to see how they didn't look at me like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm working yeah. with this person who doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Um, that it didn't that didn't come off at all, and that I actually um, got good feedback on the question that they were asking me for feedback on, um, and it became a really good um, connecting point. And now you know, my, my clinical director will say this if, if anyone's ever, you know, talks to her is I I tend to ask everyone questions on anything that I'm doing now. And I'm like, I'm not the expert in anything. I mean, I'm like literally at the opposite end of the spectrum now where I have such, I don't think I know everything to the point where I um, use the feedback of every everyone on my team. And, and I'll be like, hey, I just made this um, booklet. Like this was the most recent thing. Uh, I'm trying to be as paperless as possible. So we're not doing business cards anymore. And I'm getting rid of, because we moved one of our locations, which obviously means I have to get rid of some stuff. Right. And I was like, I'm not going to print new flyers and new folders to put the flyers in and the this and the that. I made one, um, it's not eight and a half by 11. It's almost like a, oh my gosh, what size is it? It's like, it's a booklet. So it's a little smaller than a sheet of paper booklet. Okay. Size. Yeah. But with like all the information about our practice about, who we serve, what our mission is, how we get back to the community, how we work with kids, adults, and couples—all the stuff we do—into this little booklet. Because I was like, if we can just hand out a booklet and it has everything they ever need, that would be awesome. Um, and, and even in in that case, I handed a booklet out to everyone after I got it printed, and I was like, obviously this is this one's you know done and done because it's <laughs> I got print yeah. it printed. I want you guys all to to butcher it. If you see anything that's wrong with it, if you see anything that should be added to it, like write all over it, because the next time I make a badge, I'm hoping it's the final best badge that I'll have to make that I can keep reproducing unless we obviously move. Um, but that's how much I've moved from being in this position of feeling like I need to be the source of comfort and answer for everything. The person that knows everything and then behind the you know screen is scrambling, trying to figure out, is that the right answer? Um, to now really being like, I don't know all the answers and I let people know. I mean, even with this, you know, coronavirus thing that's going on which, yeah. and this this goes out, hopefully, hopefully it's, it's better. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. But even with that, the first thing I did was you guys, I'm going to probably make some mistakes because I've never had to deal with a situation like this, but mm-hmm. this is, but, and then, and then I laid out and really confidently felt, or I felt really confident when I was laying this out. I said, here is what I'm going to do at this moment. It might change.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm open
0: to feedback from you guys, but this is what I think is best for us at this point in time and tomorrow that might change because it seems like you know the government is changing things day by day, but so this is how comfortable I feel with what we're doing now, but I I know you know when we're done with all of this and we look back it's gonna be a great learning experience for me. And I'm actually excited to learn about myself as a leader through this through this experience um, and you know I, I want you guys to be you know open with me as we're going through this experience. And so in it's really helped everyone feel comfortable with the decisions I'm making for the business. It's helped Mm -hmm. them be comfortable with even questioning some of my decisions and asking like, Oh, you know, why this? Or what do you think about that? Or, um, and so I don't know, it's a really long answer to of, But I feel like you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with a, a great place to start, which is in just not, not feeling like you have to know everything, but also, being open to let your staff know that, because I find that the moment I let them know, I don't know everything, like just said, I actually don't know that answer. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm learning on this piece, on this piece too. Let me look that up for you. It really helped me become way more confident in not, um, in the decisions I was making, but also maybe not rush to make an answer so that i seemed to be all knowing to the, to my staff.
1: Right. And then I think that can cause problems too, right? If we're, Constantly changing direction of how we're doing things, then you know, our staff doesn't necessarily have confidence in yeah. that. Yeah, um, that's totally the case. Yeah, and I think really where it came up or was highlighted when we had our first meeting with two new staff that I had brought on, and um, they, even though initially they were coming on as ICs and we were transferring, um, they Almost had the mindset of like a staff member already because the first two ICs were very independent, not a lot of direction. And they were bombarding me with questions about any and everything, and it was mm-hmm. kind of like, Whoa, yeah. <laughs> wait a second! <laughs> like, and I think part of that is planning and preparation too. Like, obviously, that's an important piece of leadership, and I think that it really kind of made me step back and say, like, I really need to get a lot of these systems in place as well for myself and for my staff. And so I can feel confident with those things. So when there are pieces that I'm not sure about, like, it feels more okay to, to say that, you know,
0: I agree. And I think that's typically where we get that feeling that you're having and that I have as well, when we make these big decisions is our, our, Confidence in ourselves can be tested when we make big changes, and definitely switching from IC to W two in our world is is one of those confidence shaking experiences, um, or at least it can be. But I do find that a thing that helps is, and this is just something on on like on my side personally, because I tend to be a person that makes decisions and then will change their mind, or not change their mind, but we'll we'll say. Yeah, that didn't work I because I, I, yeah. I'm so much now of a person that isn't afraid of making mistakes that sometimes I'll be like, let's do this thing. And it fits our mission, vision and values. But, um, you know, then after doing it, because I've learned to become such a person that's like, if it doesn't work, we're going to throw it out. We're going to try something different. We're going to say, look, it, we learn from our mistakes. Like that's how much I am in that kind of lane. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also tested me. Because obviously not all my staff is that way. They're not all confident in every change and whim that I might have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I've learned is um, I, I don't mind that, that part about me, uh, about the fact that I feel comfortable making mistakes and trying things out and saying, yeah, let's, let's dump that. That didn't work. Um, but I've learned that to be able to keep that part of me, which I think is something that helps me just grow as a leader, is, is making mistakes uh, in that sort of way. Is that I have to have a really good communication line with my team, um, whether that's through you know having supervisors or a clinical director that can kind of filter that information down in a more one to one way, or you know as a smaller practice practice if it's me doing that. Um, but that I, I learned that a lot of times we spend a lot of time thinking about the changes that we might be making a switch from IC to W two. You probably are spending. 40, 50 hours, just thinking about what anticipating questions that they're going to ask, thinking about uh, financial shifts, thinking about benefits and all this stuff that we forget that even though we might spend like a half hour putting a nice email together or set uh, an in-person staff meeting to talk about it for an hour, that because we've spent so much time prepping that we feel like we'll be able to like regurgitate that information out well, but we forget that our staff is, has not had the 40 hours of information overload that, that we've had. Um, and that's something that I've had to learn is like, Oh, I can't just quickly give all this information very clearly you know, I always thought I'm giving this information very clearly. It should be really good. Um, or or easy to understand, but I, it took me a while to realize just because I can very clearly articulate how we're going to do things and why, um, that, that doesn't mean that it's not going to take the team to, you know, have some time to question and mm-hmm. be confused and all that other stuff, which definitely can shake the confidence of a group practice owner who feels like they've done a lot of work getting set up at the best interest of their employees and then feel like they're, you know, questioning it, you know?
1: Right. That's a really good point. Yeah. You yeah. had time to process and make sense of it all. And they're just getting all that information for the first time. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: So yeah. what else is going on um, when it comes to the uh, imposter syndrome is, I, I know we talked a little bit about, um, you know, I think it, I mean, I it to came to up a lot
1: about. with like hiring too. Okay. Like, why do they want to work for me? <laughs>
0: you know? I love that question. Actually. It's so funny. Um, I, I guess I was never smart enough to think this initially, I just literally never thought this. And I think it's because I worked at a practice, at a group practice, um, that a lot of people worked at and, um, you know, the, the wage at the time, I don't know how, you know, how much better they are 10 years later, but the wage at the time wasn't great. I didn't realize that, but we had a, they had a ton of people working there. And I just remember uh, when I started my own thing that I was like, I'm going to do better than that financially. So I never even thought, um, like, why would someone want to work for me? Because I thought, man, I worked for, for
1: not right. like, as good. So I just got <laughs> That's true. got to So you had a, you had yeah. a different perspective, which is kind of nice too. We did the um, meetup here in San Diego for oh, group yeah. practice owners and a couple of them had worked for other group practice owners too. And I think it does kind of give you a little level of insight as far as what you want to do and how you can make things a little bit better too. I never had that experience, but obviously I've had other experiences, you know, where, for me, the thing that I stress during the interview process is just feedback in general. Like mm-hmm. I want their feedback about the process, the business, myself. Like that's a really big value of mine. And then I want like I would want autonomy too. So I try to um provide that to them as well. It's like you're getting into private practice because you want some of that independence and autonomy and um and stuff. So I know that that the people that come on, I stress that to a lot and they I mean, obviously, people want to work because there's five people that work for me. Right. right? And
0: but, I think that's the bottom line is, there? why does someone want to work for you? If you're clear about who your ideal therapists are, mm-hmm. then those are the people that want to work for you, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, the question tends to come when people have hired someone who maybe isn't in perfect alignment with their group practice, mission, vision, values, the culture, all of that kind of stuff, or who we feel like we haven't been super clear during the interview process with, because I I definitely Mm -hmm. have had that experience as well, especially in the beginning when I was just learning how to do interviews. Um, And so that tends to be where that comes up most with is because someone challenges that part of us, whether Mm -hmm. overtly or not. Um, But I I find that those are the best learning opportunities because... Um, w- when you feel that way, you can think, okay, what is it about me feeling, cha- you know, me feeling challenged in this way with this person? of feeling like maybe my practice isn't good enough, or maybe I'm not paying well enough, or like mm-hmm. I don't know why. You know, it w- what is it about that interaction or that discussion or that email or whatever from that person that's brought that on? Um, because usually we can pinpoint something that we might have missed that we can use for future interviews. You know. Right.
1: And so that's what I would suggest. Yep. Yeah. It helped a lot to being part of the exchange and getting ideas from people. And, And I think a lot of confidence has grown out of that too, hearing what other people are doing and ideas. And I know the last interview I was able, you know, they were saying, well, you know, I can make more, you know, here or here. And I'm like, yeah, that very well may be true to be able to accept and say like, that's true. I don't have to pay you the most kind of thing. And they still went with me because I said, but you know, these are the things that we offer that I don't know that you'll find at those other places. So,
0: Everyone who's listening. Did you hear that? I feel like that is a marker of a good interview and a good hire and probably going to be a good employee for your practice. Um, And for anyone who thinks that they have to be the highest paying practice, um, that's not the case. You don't like, I feel like everyone is competing to to, to somehow have the most amount of benefits. And, and, but so much research has shown that at the end of the day, people, overwhelmingly so, will take a pay cut to work at a place that has good culture, that feels support over a uh, a business where they're making a little bit more where there might be this like grind till you die mentality where there's not support. So I love that you mentioned that just especially for anyone who's listening, because I think this is a struggle that every group practice owner goes through. Um, and it doesn't even matter if they, and are the highest paying every group practice owner feels like they're not paying that that they could pay more. And at right. some point, maybe not all the time, I feel good right now about mine. But every group practice owner has come, gone through, and felt that, like, oh my god, I should probably pay. I, there's probably someone else, somewhere else that someone can make more. Why would they want to work for me because of you know my pay or my benefits? I can't offer this much, and I know there's other mm-hmm. practice does. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, it just shows, which is right. something I already know, which is that people, uh, you don't have to pay a million dollars to have good employees. Um, it you was
1: know definitely about um sorry another interesting that came up during <laughs> this was kind of funny but um during our group meetup with the san diego therapist one of the other therapists i found out that one girl that i had interviewed before that i wanted to hire um she didn't end up working with me but she ended up working with her mm-hmm. and so i was like well that's interesting i wanted to kind of get some feedback about you know maybe what appealed to her going to that practice to see like am i not Offering something, mm-hmm. and it was interesting because at the time, that's when I was still doing IC. So that she was going to be making a bit more money, but um, but she went with this other practice. And I imagine, you know, one of the things she said is that there was another person that she met with on the team, and they really connected. Um, and then I don't know if even being a W two was more appealing to her, but it was just interesting to just kind mm-hmm. of like take that in and see you know, everyone, even that you think might be a good fit, might find something else a better fit. And that's okay too. Yes.
0: There's so many things that can make a group practice really great. And all of us, you can't have it all. You can't give all of the things. That's what makes us all so different as businesses. Um, And so that's also a great example of um, a person going to another group practice. That's also great in a different way um, that aligns more with that employee. Um, and that doesn't make your practice any less great, you know. Right. Yeah, that's a good example.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. It's been an interesting journey. I think this year is going to be a lot of growth as with leadership in general. Um, I think so. Just shifting and then trying to figure out balancing. You know, when do I focus on marketing versus systems versus the people like that? Even that aspect of leadership of knowing. Um, which areas to spend the time in. Cause I think at this stage, it's just really hard because there's so many pieces that you have to attend to mm-hmm. and you can't attend to them all. So you have to kind of decide what's my biggest focus right now. Well, it,
0: yeah, <laughs> just so you know, um, and next month's training in the exchange is so April for anyone. Yeah. I don't know when this is coming out. Uh, it's probably going to be April by the time it comes out, but I, my exchange training is on fix six. Ex- oh, you guys, I don't know. I can't say the damn name of this book. I did this with my interview with Mike Michalowicz, which will have already come out by the time years comes out yeah. on his new book, Fix This Next. I yeah. messed it up even with my interview with him. It's just too hard to say for my fast ass mouth. <laughs> Fix this next. Um, I'm doing a training in the, the exchange in April. And it's literally about knowing what are you supposed to be focusing on next? And it's oh, really, it's based off of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but for business called the business hierarchy of, business hierarchy of needs. I'm really excited about it. I've been putting it together all month. So if you're still thinking about that, yes, and not
1: that'll, what, that'll come, come to that training
0: because I'm excited about that one, um, especially because the book comes out at the end of next month, I think like the 28th of April. So I'm doing the training right before it comes out. Um, but I, I feel like this is probably going to be his most genius book when it comes to business because, I mean, it's just so smart. I, I love it. So I'm yeah. excited. So the fact that you brought that up, just wait yeah. to, <laughs> like a little bit over a month. It's March 16th right now. Okay. April mid mid to late April, I'll be doing
1: my my um, webinar on that. So yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I think another thing that I've kind of started to recognize, and I'm not quite sure. Maybe you can give some guidance on this of how much to feed into this. But um, there's obviously areas that, I, that don't appeal to me <laughs> within being a practice owner of having to do um, or that I'm just not very good at. I'm not good at creativity. I, I've learned to sort of start delegating that stuff to admin, even with marketing, like just having the time and bandwidth to do the little bit of marketing. Um, so I've, I've considered approaching one of my clinicians who's still building her caseload about, um, her potentially investing some time in that. I just wondered because I'd heard before that, um, that sometimes you don't want to have your clinicians do that because it's kind of like, well, gosh, I could just do my own practice if I know how to market and market myself. And, um, I don't know if you have any guidance on that as I'm trying to figure out, like, who could potentially help some of these roles that I can't encompass? I don't, all.
0: I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't, okay. I don't, I don't, like that statement. Um, okay. I, I'm 100% of the camp, even when it happens and it, I, you know, initially have the, uh hurt, you know, by someone, um, starting their own practice, you mm-hmm. know, I'm human. The feeling will be there for a second, but I'm a hundred percent of the camp. If someone is meant to have their own private practice, they should go have it. You know, mm-hmm. um, and if they get to get experience while also seeing clients and helping me grow my business by seeing clients, if they get experience, um, you know, whether it's by like helping my practice market and they get marketing experience that helps them become confident in doing it. If any person who leads to start, they were going to do it. it there's that's, that's what they were, you know, um, that's what they were meant to do. If someone wants mm-hmm. to start a group practice now, you know, I do know some people who started solo practices and gone back to owning a group or going to a group practice because it wasn't their cup of tea, but I don't want to be the person that stops them. And I also don't want to be the person that hinders the creative growth that a person could potentially have in my business that helps my business and helps them do things that they love to do, whether it's, they're a, talk, a person who loves to talk to people and market network, um, I don't want to be the person that withholds that because of my insecurity to them potentially. Like, I don't want to stall their own growth. Right. That might lead them to have their own practice. It doesn't mean that I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna like hand out a, a marketing plan for them to start their own practice. I'm just not gonna. If I my whole. Goal in with having employees is that if there's a way that I can help them lead in some way because they want to lead. Now, obviously, there's some that are the rock star types, radical candor, Mm -hmm. um, who who just want to do kick ass therapy. You know, you need to have a little bit of both. You can't have all superstars wanting to like grow, grow because that would make it impossible. But if there's someone who is in in my business who shows potential in an area that is a strength of theirs and it's something that I can kind of make a position for we have a creative lead are all of our social media for urban wellness those pictures the content is my one of my therapists nick who is a loves to take photos and video and all of that and um you know came up to me and asked is there you know is there a way we can implement that creative part of me so i can get that you know Scratch-itched, yeah. and I was like, "Totally!" And so we put something in place. And same with you know my Faria, one of my therapists, who's our onboarding coordinator now. She literally knows most of everything about how the business is run because she trains every single hire right. from beginning to end. Um, I truly feel that if if there's a strength in your group practice with one of your staff, the one of the best things you can do is to how you know one delegate. Because it's mm-hmm. important as a business owner, but two is to you know lift your people up when you can, and if that means that this person can be in charge and be a marketing director or whatever, um, I think that's a great move as a business owner in, in letting them know that where that you value them and that you see you see them you see them right. outside of just being a therapist, and if that ends up being a move that you know gets that person to start their own practice at some point, then so be it, I feel. I think nine times out of 10, when you put someone into a leader position of you know being in charge of something, whether it's in charge of the marketing of your practice, they feel more invested in your practice. They're mm-hmm. less likely to go. So that's how I see things is that I'm helping them make this more their home, um, something that they can play a role in molding with me. Um, I feel that with all my supervisors, with my onboarding coordinator and creative lead and the practice manager and all that is all, I I want them to feel like this is, um, you know, their second home where they get to make a larger impact beyond seeing clients because they're, they're the kind of people that want to do that, you know?
1: Right. And it sounds like it taps into like these other areas that they're not potentially getting out of just doing therapy that connects them more. Like you said, like that creative piece, you know, a way to to be able to exercise that and have fulfillment from that and I think just kind of like as we're talking I'm just thinking you know it sounds like the biggest um, concern is when like that fear mindset comes up of like fear they're going to go somewhere else fear that your practice isn't offering what they're needy you know like if we can just like let go of that piece and say like so be it like if they go they go If they don't want to join they don't want to join like Mm -hmm. I think letting go of that is a huge piece or like oh they're gonna find me out that I don't know everything like okay who cares right (laughs) so I think like just as we're talking that's probably like the biggest theme of like for me to let go of that piece
0: yeah Yeah, and I think if you can find small instances where you let it go, because obviously that idea seems like a huge and hard thing to do. Um, But if you can find a small instance, uh, maybe someone sends you an email instead of you know researching first before responding, send an email right back and say, "I don't know yet. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look that up and get back to you." It's like Mm -hmm. those small instances where you 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 know you lay your cards out in a way and let them know where you're at versus you know. Potentially just giving an hour, doing the research, finding the answer, and then answering them. They, those are like small experiences, uh, exposures, you know, let's do yeah. exposure response prevention, <laughs> where you can, um, you know, not, uh, where you can respond to them right away and just say, you know, the question, I, I'm not sure, let me look that up. Um, I, I feel like I've done that a lot this past week with, you know, everything that's going on. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I don't know yet. I'm driving right now and I wanted to respond to you and let you know that I saw this and then I hear you. Um, but I, uh, uh when I get home, I'll have to research that. I'm not quite sure.
1: A lot yeah. of that
0: happening this week. Um,
1: definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was really good talking to you. Yeah. Thanks for, you know, having this dialogue and getting some good ideas and stuff. Yeah. It's been really really helpful. And I ordered a couple books too on leadership. So, um, at home, um, I ordered the radical candor and then I don't remember what it's called, even though I'm almost done with it now. The one with the hungry, (laughs) humble, smart.
0: Oh, the ideal team player. That's so funny that I do that all the time. And then I think, Oh man. This is so bad. How do I not know the name of a book that I'm in the yeah. middle of reading?
1: I know, I like that all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that book is an interesting effort. It took me a while to be like, why am I reading this? Because the fir- first whole three quarters of it is like a story, you know, right. essentially. And I remember being like, I don't care about this construction workers. <laughs> 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 but it all wraps around. I don't know if you're yet at the part where it like ties
1: it in all together. I'm at that part right now, okay. so...
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a really good book uh, for any of yeah. you who haven't read it. Hung- I just was about to say Hungry, Humble, Smart. That's not the name of the book. Maybe the I'm Ideal I'm Team happy. Player. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, it was good talking to you. Hopefully, you you can enjoy your week. Hopefully, um, you know, you can manage your practice and self care through everything that's going on. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, post, post your questions. I know um, we're all kind of weathering through a, a new sort of thing with our businesses so we need to support yeah. each other as much as possible so if you have questions if you need support make sure you keep posting about that
1: for sure all, all right, right. talk to
0: you youtube bye thanks for listening to the group practice exchange podcast we'll see you next time